Welcome back to the NSO Pod. I am Tom Corbett. He is Sterling Pingree. It's funny. I think last week, whatever episode we're on, I forget, uh, was the first week, I think, that we did not mention the Patriots in any way at any point. And I rem- I noticed it after we stopped recording. Like, oh, yeah, we didn't do that. I figure we have to mention something about it this week. As uh, I, I don't know about that. I mean, the, I, I think we got a the good planned future going. starter. The planned future starter, Will Greer, was released, <laughs> then re-signed to the practice squad. So I think they've released and re-signed at least three quarterbacks this year. I think they've released and signed Will Greer three times. Uh, Malik Cunningham at least. Once or twice, Zappy oh, once. Okay. So yeah, Zappy and Cunningham both have. Um, I think Greer's at like three times. I think Matt Corral was signed and cut twice. Ian Book was there. I think literally he got off the bus. Remember that show uh, on MTV? It was like the dating show where they'd be like on a bus. The Fifth Wheel. No, no. Uh, was it Next? Because that's what they would like yell. Like someone would step off the bus. And people would like make the, just go next, and then like the next contestant, whoever was like they picked by the end of the show, or like oh, yeah, there was they, one. I thought there next. was one called the Fifth Wheel or Fourth. Anyway, yes, I know what you're talking about. Th- that's what I feel like it was. Like Ian Book stepped off the bus at Patriot Place, and Bill Belichick just went next, bring Corral back, and then no, wait, I wanted Will Greer, bring Will Greer back. So let's work out random quarterback from Purdue. Yeah, every uh, ambiguous third or fourth rounder that you kind of forgot. Like, they blended so much together that I was talking to someone last week, and I was saying, like, I I don't understand the Will Greer thing. Like, the guy hasn't played in a few years. Like, wait, but he just played. Like, he got hurt at the end of college, but, like, he played last season. And I'm like, you're thinking Matt Corral. Will Greer hasn't played in the NFL in four years. I was like, he took snaps in 2019. For the Carolina Panthers. And they're like, oh, wait, yeah, I was thinking Matt Corral. I didn't really, like, in people's heads, some of these, I mean, Tom, if I lined up pictures of, like, Drew Locke, Trevor Simeon, Brett Rippon, just, like, all of these guys that have sort of had spot starts and cups of coffee with, you know, the Seattles and Denvers and, and all of these franchises the last three to four, five years, like, you couldn't tell any of them apart. The Patriots have done that in one season. Like, we're trying to cram all of the bottoming out, rock bottom, dregs of society in one season. Like, we're two and nine. We've already gone through the cacophony of horrible backup college retread quarterbacks. We've had a million in for tryouts. Like, we have a few things we have to check off the list. And I think one of them is like, we're going to run a Malik Cunningham, Bailey Zappi, pseudo wildcat gimmicky package offense game. Uh, probably against, I don't know, maybe Denver. I don't, they may pull it out in like Buffalo. They, I mean, they don't want to get like too blown out in that game, but like it might be the one where like Miami ran the wildcat against the Patriots with Ronnie Brown and it worked. Like that may be this, like week 17, we just, try something different. And you know what? If we're going to get all the bad things out, let's just get them out of the way this year. Let's get all the bad things that it takes some franchises a decade. Bill's playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. And we knock it out in 2023. We get a quarterback in the draft. We spend a whole bunch in free agency and try to get some offensive weapons because we have none. And we just try to rebuild in one year. There you go. It's going to happen, right? Like low key. I'm trying to decide, like, is Belichick just a great tanking coach? You take a guy like Mac Jones, who's, let's just say, probably very mentally fragile at this point, and you go through this whole stretch and a bye week, and he's just completely noncommittal and splitting reps, but not saying who's going to be the starter, and said just, hey, Mac, you're still the guy which he ended up being, at least for a half. You got to figure like, oh, if you know you're going to stick with Mac for now, why would you be splitting reps? Why wouldn't you just say, oh, Mac's going to be the guy and just try to give him 
some granule of confidence going in? I think we're past it. You know, so I was still of the mind the last two weeks and and following Patriot media has been, I would say fascinating, but at the same time frustrating because so you look at the, the narrative, I'm always talking about narrative. There's that N word um, of who the Patriots were going to start at quarterback. Besides Mac Jones being benched in Germany, if you just look at, at the facts, Patriot offense didn't score a touchdown in Germany. They lost 10 to 6. Mac Jones was benched for the final two minute drive. They brought in Bailey Zappi. Like that, that's what happened. That's what we have to go on. They go into the bye. There was no talk of a quarterback change. It was ass. They said the best player will play. That's it. It becomes a media narrative and a story that they're the ones saying you can't play Mac Jones. This wasn't Bill Belichick saying, I am not going to play Mac Jones. And they split reps in practice, as people are saying, if you're going to play Bailey Zappi, you need to get him more reps in practice because he's not seeing that many. And the people that said that Will Greer need to get some because he was effectively getting none as the third-string quarterback on the roster. But it was a media creation, in a way, that said, you need to pick a starter. The insinuation being that the Patriots hadn't, said that previously. Well, Mac Jones has been the starting quarterback all season long. So it was kind of the media saying, you need to name a starter. And I think Bill was essentially saying, the starter is the starter. The starter is who it's been. But I think people looked at it and said, well, we don't like the answer. And of course, Bill is never going to kind of kowtow to what the media requests of him or even answer the question that they ask. I think in his mind, that was the, if not in so many words, the vote of confidence. But I think with Mac Jones, we're kind of beyond that. Like, even saying to him, I, I look back, and this is one of my favorite examples of perhaps delusional coaching. We talked about this on Hard Knocks with Robert Sala and the whole Jet staff, you know, fawning over Aaron Rodgers. But in Super Bowl 53, there's mic'd up where Jared Goff throws the interception that effectively ends the game. It is. Was it 3-3 New England? No, it's 10-3 New England. Patriots have the lead. And Goff throws a pick in the end zone, picked off by Stephon Gilmore. And Goff is walking out the field with like two and a half minutes left, down by seven, and he just threw a pick near the end zone. And Sean McVay walks up to Jared Goff and goes, Hey, hey, we're good, man. We're good. It's like no one's believing that you're good right now. You just turned the ball over in the end zone down by a touchdown to the Patriots in the Super Bowl with two minutes left. You know, don't, what is the old saying? Don't spit on me and tell me it's raining. I mean, if you were to say that to Mac Jones right now, hey, you're our guy. We believe in you. I don't even think he could believe it at this point. You almost should just kind of save the breath. And and, and now, you know, we're seeing him in practice. He's wearing the black jersey. I mean, I think Zappi's going to start this weekend against the Chargers, and we're officially floating into the abyss. It's not Mac. It's not Zappi. We're probably going to see Malik Cunningham at some point. Who knows what I thought was the most far farcical idea of Will Greer starting. Who knows? He he may. He may. But they're 2-9 and nine and the tank is on. Can they get into the top two to try to get Drake May? Or, I mean, maybe Caleb Williams or whoever it is in one of those top two picks. But I'm convinced you have to be in the top two to get a quarterback. I think there's a chance the Cardinals could win a game. I think there's a better chance. The the Patriots' last chance to win a game, I think, was this past weekend against the Giants. Because now you got the Chargers, you got the Steelers, you got the Chiefs, Broncos, Bills, Jets in Week 18. Fresh Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about this because it came up today. So Aaron Rodgers, the He's Jets on the twenty-one the day window. clock. The clock has started. The window is open. They could designate Aaron Rodgers to return this season. They're four and seven. They have Tim Boyle as the starting quarterback. They can't protect him. I mean, Boyle was sacked what seven times. 
against the Miami Dolphins, who have a good defense and a pretty good pass rush, you know, especially when they had Jalen Phillips. And you're going to put a four-year-old quarterback who three months ago tore his Achilles. Tom, I want your thoughts, and then I'm going to tell you my theory of how this plays out, my prediction, if you will. Sorry, I zoned out for a second. <laughs> you were just looking real dreamy at me right there. Just because I thought you said, uh, I'm going to tell you how this plays out. And I missed the, with the zero question before. Sorry. <laughs> Multitasking. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't set you up like that ever again. My apologies. I missed the setup. Okay. Okay. Setup. What? Take two. <laughs> so. What is your what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers the the clock being started on a 40-year-old quarterback who 3 months ago tore his Achilles? What is your initial reaction and how do you think this plays out because I have my theory of exactly how this is going to play out in the end. It's a shiny distraction. It's a dangly ooh distract the cat over here <laughs> with a dangly shoestring. It's hey, let's try to Take away from the fact that we had 12 weeks to upgrade at quarterback when everyone said we needed to. We decided, no, Zach Wilson's the guy. We were super stubborn about it, and now we're on freaking Tim Boyle, and this season's effectively over. I mean, yes, if they won out... They could still have a shot, maybe. But are they going to win out? No. Do I think Aaron Rodgers plays again this season? I do not. Because I think they're going to be out of it by then. But it's a shiny three-week distraction. Like, look how look how hard our boy is working. Look at this medical marvel. So here's the jet schedule for the last six weeks. Four and seven, they host the Falcons this weekend, the NFC South leading Falcons. Then they host the Texans. So, I mean, you could say that those are both kind of toss-ups, though you have to also take the leap of faith that the Jets can score any points. I mean, at all. Then they go to Miami and play the Dolphins. So there's a definite L. They host the Commanders. They're at the Jets. uh, They're at the Browns. And then they go to New England in week 18. It's not the hardest schedule in theory, but at best, I mean, they have nothing I look at and go, well, there's a win. Because I think the way this offense played, you can't look at any team and say, oh, the Jets will unequivocally beat them. Even the two and nine Patriots, I look at that and go, and if there's one game New England gets up for, because we saw it during the Cam Newton season, it was one of the first games of the Belichick era where they had nothing at stake in the game. And they still took it to the Jets in the second half just to kind of walk out with at least a little shred of dignity coming out of that season. So I could see that in week 18. Here's my prediction for how this plays out. Because I almost say to what end the, oh, here's the shiny object. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at what he's done. I think from a Jets standpoint, they do want that little shot in the arm of, look, he made the field. It's just enough that he he's out there playing because he played four snaps, and they want to kind of put some lipstick on this pig. I, I get it. You can't put him out there. It, it's amazing to me. You know, I listen to Rich Eisen almost on a daily basis, and he's obviously a, a huge Jets fan. And he kind of just glossed over the negligence of playing him into what a story this would be if he plays. Which, I, I mean, I guess it would be, but at the same time, where we talk about player safety, isn't this kind of negligent on the Jets' part? One, look at the situation you're in. These may be meaningless snaps. You're going to put a 40-year-old quarterback that you're paying tens of millions of dollars on an Achilles that, to most humans, is like a nine-month injury. And he's going to come back in three months at age 40, which will be 40, I think, like two days after this podcast drops. And he's going to play NFL snaps behind. And here's where the negligence comes in. 
one of the worst offensive lines in all of football and getting worse by the week because they seem to lose a starter on a near weekly basis. So you add all it up, it makes no sense because the season's lost. If you're the Jets, you're just praying he can play in 2024. That That is all you're living for is that you can sell your fan base on the hope that when Rodgers comes in, Salah will be better. This defense is really good. Brees Hall will be okay. We'll get some weapons so Garrett Wilson won't be an island on this offense. Nathaniel Hackett might make some damn sense. Like He will make it all okay. He's going to kiss the boo-boos. How this plays out is exactly this. They have three weeks. Rodgers is going to stand around at practice. He will make some throws. He may even take some, some reps here and there doing the minimum. They will not activate him in the three weeks. And what will happen is that Rodgers is going to blame the Jets. Or he's going to blame the doctors. Or he's going to blame the league. And he will say, unequivocally, this is the prediction, that he was ready to go and that in three months he could have played on a torn Achilles tendon. He will say that it was them, they, the doctors, medicine, science that didn't allow him to play in the NFL, but he was ready because of his own methods and his own healing. I'm so ready for this to come out on McAfee. It's going to happen that he could have played, but because they were out of it and the doctors wouldn't sign off on it, they wouldn't let him play. I can already see it now. Maybe. Yeah, I agree with most of it. Like I said, I said it. I didn't think he's ever going to play this season. It's a shiny distraction. Whether or not he think, might do, be do you think in it's on him it. pushing it or the Jets pushing it? Because I tend to think it's the, that it's Rodgers pushing he wants to come back. I think the Jets are secretly terrified of him going out, getting injured again, and missing next season. They have to be. Yeah. It's too big an investment. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they've, you know, come together like, hey, we'll let you practice. You'll still look like, you know, big balls, Aaron Rodgers, but you're not actually going to play. Whether or not they're they're on the same page with that or not. Yeah. Uh, And a lot will be determined in three weeks if they somehow reeled off three straight wins somehow with Tim Boyle and are seven and seven. I mean, I, I think, and I think is the best Robert Sala Miami. I don't know how safe Robert Sala feels where if they managed to get it to seven and seven and he had Aaron Rodgers say he wants to go Robert Sala, I'm out of here anyway. If we don't make the playoffs, he might say, yeah, let's go. But I don't think they're getting there anyway. But I see, I don't think it's even in his hands. Like, I think it is. And by his hands, I mean, whether he comes back or not, I, I think it all rests on the shoulder of Aaron Rodgers. If he wants Sal back, Sal will be back. If he doesn't want him back, he won't be back. You know, it's the same with Hackett. It's the same with, you know, in in any other instance, and you could, you know, to a point, say this about the Patriots too. If you objectively looked at this offense in a vacuum, I think 31 teams fire the offensive coordinator after this season. Now, I get you lost your quarterback, but you still have a second overall pick three years ago as your starting quarterback is this bad. You know, you look at the Patriot offense, it's a first round quarterback three years ago, taken 15th. But you brought in a guy who is supposed to not only fix Rodgers, but prepare Zach Wilson for post-Rodgers. And none of it's happened. So, but he's there. He's there because Rodgers wants him there. So he stays if Rodgers wants him to stay. And I don't know. We'll see. It it will be, my gut says they run it all back. Salah, Hackett, Lazard, Randall Cobb. Liev Schreiber, I bet they do hard knocks again. (laughs) Don't even have to. They just sign up for it. I'm going to guess probably not. Sal is going to tell us more stories about crows and 
Blackhawks and yeah, see, I mean, when you want to look at Nat Hackett, you can say, hey, they had bad Zach Wilson last year, and you come in this year, you have the same Wilson, and, you know, Garrett Wilson's numbers are down. Well, everyone's and, numbers are down. Well, and, and not for nothing, they added Dalvin Cook. They brought in Alan Lazard, who is a good NFL wide receiver. You have year two of Garrett Wilson. You have a healthy Brees Hall, who you only had for, what, three or four weeks last season. You have a healthy Brees Hall. You bring in Dalvin Cook. You add Alan Lazard. And, yeah, you're worse. You know, like Zach Wilson became so irreparably damaged that he had to be benched and put on the third string for Tim Boyle, who, dear God, I mean, that Black Friday game was, okay, I secretly kind of enjoyed, like, like my guilty pleasure is watching the Jets. I, it makes me a terrible person. I know that. And I think that part of why the Patriots are so bad is like, you know, being smited because of this, but it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, I, I sort of enjoyed watching hard knocks last night and watching the replay of Jets dolphins. Yeah. You're a sick man. It was fun at first. And now yeah. it's just kind of when are you're on you... Tim Boyle. Yeah, I are don't you, need to watch that. Have you been watching the the new Hard Knocks, the in season? I'm not fully caught up. I am guilty so, of not being. Fully I, I mean, up. it's only episode. I I end up watching episode two last night because uh, I do kind of like that they're a little shorter. Like I think last night it was like 45 minutes or yeah, in and out. Kind of yeah, in and out. Like I started a little late and still was done. You know, kind of by 11. I, I found I like the in season way more because. Like, things are happening. Yeah, it's like, good, le- a lot bad. less fluff. A lot less fluff. Like, there's more time on the game. Plus, I mean, I watched that game on Black Friday. So, watching yesterday, I mean, like, you know it sucks, the Jalen Phillips injury. Like, it was so hard because they kind of featured him the whole episode. And then he's having this career game. And just for him to go down. Like, it, it, it was it was hard to watch. Like, like that portion of it. But, I mean, to see the, the mic'd up portions of how that first half ended, you know, the two, two interceptions, the pick six, the, the other pick six. I mean, it it was, it was wild to kind of see that back, but yeah, it's just more, it's how things are run. I mean, there was a clip yesterday of the dolphin locker room at the start of halftime of them filing in and like what coaches said to Tua, what Tua said, well, like what Tua looked like having just thrown two picks in the final minute of the the first half, you know, in a game that they had in hand and now the defense is kind of, bailed him out a little bit, but I don't know. It, it's it's more interesting, but Mike McDaniel's kind of a hard watch. Mm. Well, we could transition to Aaron Rodgers, one of Aaron Rodgers' new favorite quarterbacks, Mr. Dak Prescott. All right. Cowboys. Uh, wait, 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 were you bragging that he's one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite quarterbacks? No, it's just you, a fun transition. Are you putting that on the, on the It was a big jacket? thing. It was a news thing out of this week's. Pat McAfee show that, that he like. You want to know why? It's because Aaron Rodgers is such a contrarian that he steps up and goes, "Yeah, no, I I like Dak Prescott." To go, okay. Oh, Dak, okay. I think is now third for MVP in the uh, unlike FanDuel. It seems fair because who's ahead of him? What hurts? Hurts and Mahomes, I believe. As much as it pains me to say it, I think I put Tyreek Hill right in there too. I think if there is going to be a year when it's not a quarterback, this might be the last chance. Because it's, it's Hill or McCaffrey. Like, if you were to ask me who the MVP is, I would say it's either Tyreek Hill or Christian McCaffrey. Garrett for Cleveland? Outside shot? Nah. He's, he, I've heard the name thrown out there of if a defensive player could ever win it, Miles Garrett is... I mean, honest to God. What if Blunt that, gets that two more on. pick sixes? <laughs> Deron Bland? If Deron Bland. Bland gets two more? Yeah, Bland. Because uh, what's, what's he at? Five? Yeah. Five, five set the record? Yeah, that was just cool. They did it on, on Thanksgiving. That was that was a cool moment. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Miles Garrett. To me, Pat Mahomes is having one of his worst seasons. And I know they're saying, well, but look, if you took him off the team, and, and but you can always make that with an elite quarterback. I mean, look at the Cincinnati Bengals without Joe Burrow. Like it doesn't mean he's the most valuable quarterback. It's that 
to that team, yeah, you take the starter away, they're going to be terrible. Look at the teams we've already talked about here. Dak, Dak deserves to be up there. I, I would put Dak ahead of Mahomes, but to me, it's kind of between Hertz, Hill, and McCaffrey. And I like you. I think would sort of like to see a non-quarterback win it because I think they're both having deserving years. Mm, let's see. I'm looking now. Like the one I just brought up has Hertz plus one forty, Mahomes plus three fifty, Lamar plus five hundred. Hit the brakes. Lamar, he hasn't been great in the last few weeks. Tua and Dak both at plus 800. Yeah, I mean, you can put Tua up there, but uh, you watch that team, it's Tyreek Hill. Like, he's the one that makes it that makes it go. Uh, it's kind of like Super Bowl 36. The Patriots keyed on Marshall Falk, not Kurt Warner, because the offense ran through Marshall Falk, everything they did not so much the quarterback. I think it's the same in Miami. If you were to take two away from it, you know, it certainly looks different, but if you take Tyreek Hill off that offense with a healthy Tua, I think it's a drastically different offense. Drastically. The, the run game is good. Offensive line's okay, but you take Tyreek Hill out of there and whew. I mean, realistically, for Dak to be in that conversation, he's got to be the Eagles in two weeks. And he's probably got to beat the Bills and or the Dolphins. Well, he's got to shake the narrative that they beat bad teams, and, and which has been true. They they're the young boxer just beating up on tin cans. Tommy Gunn at the beginning of Rocky Five. Just well, let's not go. Let's not go full. Just Tommy hammering Gunn nobodies. Won't take on a real. We're fighter. not. We're not chasing down Rocky in the bar. They're asking not putting him the hustle behind that muscle. But yeah, I mean it's and that's completely fair. You know, Paper champion. The biggest games you've had were San Francisco got demolished. Philadelphia gave it away at the end. Well, with all due respect. Y- you hung with them, but you were there, you had the opportunity to win. A p- couple bad penalties, the route that came whatever, six inches short for, was it Schoonmaker? And then the last play that was thrown five yards short of the end zone. But to be fair or not, your saving grace can't be that you hung with the Eagles. Right. Because the Eagles are the most confusing freaking team. Well, because they're a very good team, but we just saw the Bills take them to the deep water. I mean, I know it was week one. The Commanders took them... Twice the Patri- to, in the, the deep the water. The Patriots were a Kayshawn Booty toe tap away from having gold to go with a chance to win the game. You yeah. know, I mean, I know that was a long time ago, but it seems like good teams have played them very. I cannot wait for them to play the 49ers. Like, that's like, I, I need to see because we didn't get it because Purdy got knocked out so quickly. We didn't get it in the NFC Championship last year. Like, I need to see those two teams to, to stack them up to see. Because it feels very rock, paper, scissors, where it's like, well, the Niners kill the Cowboys, the Cowboys play the Eagles hard. What happens when the Eagles play the 49ers? And, but to, to your point of, of Dak Prescott, he needs a statement win. Mm-hmm. He needs a defining moment where if he goes and, and beats the Eagles or, I mean, he doesn't have another shot at the Niners, so the playoffs, that's not supposed to count in the MVP, but right. it's that three weeks stretch. Need, they need a moment. Assuming, and, Seattle's no pushover on Thursday. No, not at all. You know, you get through that, which they should, in my opinion. Then you have the three-week stretch of Philly, Buffalo, Miami. If you come out of there on a good run, if you get, if they were to win through all the next four games, then heck yeah, you've got some real positive momentum with wins over three playoff teams if you don't count Seattle that's the kind of run you need to give credibility to whether or not you're actually truly a contender well and and I think it do no fault of, of Dak Prescott's he has a good defense and he has a scoring defense and I think that is something that when people dig into it they're going to kind of look at And you've said it this year about the red zone offense of the Cowboys. Like they don't score in the red zone. It's long touchdowns and it's 
the Cowboy defense putting up points. And I remember early in the season where your defense had a couple touchdowns and a couple bland pick sixes. I think it was after the Patriot game that you really made the point. I thought it was pretty salient then that people are going to overlook how troubling our red zone offense is and kind of the offense was in general at that point because the defense had what? a special teams touchdown, two pick sixes or a fumble six. And you go, yeah, we scored 45 points, but the offense only scored 13. And people are just going to gloss over and say, look, we scored 40 points and not kind of look at, see how the sausage is made. And I think for an individual word like this, when people dig in, Dak is going to get nicked because the defense was so good and scored so many points. Like they're going to look at Deron Bland and go, well, yeah, well, you had five pick sixes. Of course they scored. 45 points a game and blew out you know these tomato can teams because deron bland had a pick six in every one of those games it was a free seven points but god that'll hurt him for that i don't think it should hurt for the impression that dak has made this season if we had bland Diggs, and gilmore right now i'd be feeling so much better (laughs) but i almost think it's like the old uh What's the old math problem? Like if Tom could wash a car in two hours and Sterling can do it in three hours, how long does it take him to do it together? And you're like you think it's going to be two and a half, but it's really like three and a quarter or something right. like that. Bland, bland isn't bland. Bland is probably more exciting. <laughs> um, you know, if he's overshadowed with Diggs, and you know, so we really haven't seen it because when because Diggs got hurt what week three. Because well, it was right yeah, before the Patriots right. game, right? Yeah, and I think that was Bland's like second pick six was against New England, or maybe it was, maybe it was his first, but it was first or second. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he kind of emerged, you know, from from that opportunity. Yeah, do the math. And the horse's name was Friday. Good one, Mac. Classic movie, right there. Little Big League, right before the. You know, the big play-in game to make it to the postseason against the Mariners. Well, and it ties it all they in. they got to finish his the, homework. they got to finish the manager's homework. Because that, that math question was painting the house, right? Right. That's right, because, he, because the, they asked the one guy, how long would it take? And he goes, what color paint? You know, um, right. And it's Jonathan Silverman, uh, Bowers, the relief pitcher who comes yeah. in, and he does the whole, you know, A plus B is to A times B, you know. Then he just five, walks in the, five and seven yeah. eighths or whatever. And Mac, the horse's name was Friday. Bowers. Uh, what else do we have going on that excites you? I think the I mean the Rogers thing was kind of the, Tom. All right, explain this to me. I've wanted to ask you this for like two weeks, and, and I'm going to now. Changing gears w- away from football. Explain to me. The play-in tournament, the the in-season tournament. The in-season in, tournament. In, explain to me the in-season tournament. Why are we doing it? What is it? What is it supposed to prove? Why do I care? So, I think the mythos. Good wow. Of it was that's a real word to try to make some of these early games seem more important. To try to get the players playing more. Crazy idea. Those are kind of the two big ones. And obviously money. Money is a thing. You build this. You have this big ending in Las Vegas over a weekend. You get everybody traveling into Vegas. And I think it's going to do what it's supposed to do. Some clunky parts to it that really showed yesterday were it's group play, but it's over the course of only whatever it was, five games total. Yeah. And the time breaker, it was like three weeks. Yeah. It was five games. I think for each in the pool play and tiebreakers were based on point differential. So, which is always works at any level of sport. The Celtics last night, needing to win over Chicago by, I think it was like 30 or 29, whatever it was, in the fourth quarter, up 30, hack-a-shacking Andre Drummond to get the point differential higher. 
I was kind of wondering why Jalen Brown and Al Horford were still in the game up like 28 points. Yeah. With cause... three and a half minutes left. I'm going, wait, this is the perfect opportunity to like lose Al Horford for the season. Because we lost to Orlando remember. last week. So he needed to get in on the old point differential. So you had some teams running it up and that. It is cl- that part is very clunky and like a lot of players said, eh, that's not doesn't feel like basketball when it's you know fourth quarter up by thirty, they're in their second stringers and we're just well, going kind of ham. Like college, you know, where it's like, oh, you got to get a, this statement win and be right, you know. especially like pre playoff college football. Yes, we're a hundred percent where you had to impress the BCS. And had to be West East Oklahoma Tech by seventy nine points. Yes, but now we're into like quarterfinals, and it's you know win or you're out. I think it's going to be good. And a lot of the tournament so far games have been you know fairly intense, and you're going to get. And it was designed, and the groups were set up, which I like to really try to get the best teams in. <laughs> Oh, that's evident if you look at who yeah. the Celtics are paired with. So you're going to see probably Milwaukee-Boston in the semifinal, somewhere in there. You know, Denver, you have all the top teams. So it kind of gives you that early look at some of your best teams with really competitive, hopefully, we want to win games. So, okay. That that thank you. That like that makes some level of sense. My thought in terms of and they're kind of gaming the system, as you said, the way they're lining it up. Because I, I saw what kind of brought it into focus. Because I didn't know it's oh, it's a weird court one night, but the next night it's the you know it's it felt very like pro wrestling where it's like oh tonight it's the brawl for all, but tomorrow it's uh, okay like. We're, we're making up the rules as we go along. And you can only tell by, well, it's a weird court tonight. Oh, tonight's not a weird court. Nope, tonight, you know, because they wear the alternate uniforms and stuff anyway. So that's not really like a, a draw. I did see when they put the bracket up there. And it makes all the sense of the world to kind of game it and, and put the best teams in there so you get those matchups. But what I'll say, though, as it being the NBA, is that you already sort of have that early season highlight if you will or showcase showcase would be a lot better term in this this case uh a showcase of your best teams against the best teams it's called christmas on christmas day where they have mm-hmm. the five or six or however many games and that's when you get you know 76ers celtics bucks heat lakers golden state you know they blow it up on christmas day and now they're going to do it in vegas and call it a tournament and someone's going to win a trophy and we're supposed to care you know, and, and I mean, I can already hear like Tim Legler saying, well, you know, they won the in-season tournament back in December. What can we draw from that in June? I don't know. It, it does feel clunky. I guess good on them for trying something, but I think there's other ways to kind of fix your product if things are lagging in November and December. Namely, I don't know. How about your star players play basketball? Sure, but... Hey, look, you're talking about it. People are talking about it. No, I'm asking what the hell it is. <laughs> because Still that, talking because about that, it. Because, the, because that wears off. Now, it's, I think, quarterfinals are Monday and Tuesday next week. Celtics-Pacers should be a good game. Pacers playing well. Halliburton is awesome. Didn't the Celtics just beat him by 50? Eh, a few weeks ago. But uh, Porzingis is out right now, I believe. Uh, Bucks and Knicks. And then you have that potential Celtics-Bucks semifinal, December 7th, in Vegas. Then the other side, you have Lakers-Suns. Lakers, I don't know how they ended up the one. They just did well in their group, and those are pretty much the only games they've won this year. But LeBron they're in season are their in-season tournament games, playing the Suns. Then you have Kings and Pelicans. 
I'm excited about a potential. So the championship is December 9th. You know, Suns, Celtics in Vegas for the in-season cup. In the sphere? It's not in the sphere. It should be in the sphere. Uh, question. Will the winning team put up a banner? I'm going to say no. I bet they do. I, I bet it depends on who. I bet it, like, if, if it's, it's the, the Celtics, Pelicans. If it's the Pelicans, damn right they're hanging something up in that building. Same with like Phoenix. I mean, if, if the Celtics or Lakers win, I don't think they're putting up. I mean, they got 17 championship banners hanging from the rafters. I don't think they need the in-season tournament one. Well, so the NBA might be like, hey, we're adding validity. You you put this up. Well, the Lakers have shown they'll hang up banners that came from yeah, different true. cities. So, I think they have a few of the Green Bay Packers championships up there. Fuck Minnesota. Get out of here. But I, I enjoy one thing I, I learned when I went to Lambeau, not to impugn, you know, the the Green Bay Packers, but the kind of modern NFL started with the Super Bowl. You know, or really, it even started in the 1960s with Lombardi, who won five championships, two Super Bowls. The Green Bay Packers are claiming like 13 world championships because they're claiming all the world championships from the 20s and 30s and, you know, the curly Lambeau, you know, Don Hudson days. Like they still have all, which I guess to a point, like they couldn't help it that there's only six franchises and they were, you know, beating the pants off the Decatur Staley's or the Pottsville Maroons or the, you know, Dayton Triangles. But yeah. When, when you look, it's like the Green Bay Packers have like 10 championships before like 1949. Mm-hmm. Not that they still have five you know, from Lombardi in the 60s, but still. I don't know. It's just interesting when you see it because you think of the Packers. You're like, oh, yeah, the Packers, great franchise. Lombardi, five championships in the NFL, you know, two Super Bowls, and then they've won uh, the, the two other Super Bowls. And then you look and they're like, ah, home of the 15-time world champion Green Bay Packers. Wait a minute. Yeah, I'm still Lakers. You're not tied with the Celtics. No, never will be. The Oklahoma City Thunder don't get to celebrate the anniversary of the Seattle Supersonics championship. They shouldn't. Though it still makes me salty a little bit that like the Carolina Hurricanes were the Whalers throwbacks. Mm. All right. Uh, before we get to our immaculate grid for the week, take a quick look. Uh, what do we got for games in week 13 that we are excited about? Let me bring it up here. I wasn't paying attention. Obviously, Cowboy Seahawks I'm excited about. It's a good Thursday game. God, not to discredit it, but it's a good third. Yeah, the the whole Geno thing. I mean, like it's one where Geno doesn't play. Suddenly, the Seahawks just—it's like gum that loses its flavor. You can still chew it, but you enjoy it. Chargers, Patriots, which somehow the Chargers have not lost a coach yet. What if they lose to the two and nine Patriots? Like. I was going to say, without saying. I, I mean, not, not saying, but Justin Herbert, the the beat-up hand. Eckler's looks a little beat up. They've lost some receivers. I mean, they barely put up 10 points against the Baltimore Ravens, though we uh, the Ravens are a good defense, and we have learned that the Patriots can give up 10 points and still not win back-to-back games. So I guess that's a moot point. Who the Broncos-Texans would be a good game at this point? Right. The red-hot Denver Broncos, who, by the way, when you look at their remaining schedule, like, I freaking think the Broncos are going to make the postseason. Yeah, I mean, shoot, they're 6-5. and five. They started 1-5, and five, and here they are at 6-5, and five, and yeah, they have They, they kind of got to win this one. Uh, the Texans, I think, could still win that division. Well... I know that was a big one. They lost to the Jaguars this mm-hmm. week, but but this Good is one where it's like, okay, who who is the best of that second tier? Who's the friskiest 
of that second tier because I think the Jaguars are now kind of in that just sub Kansas City tier where I don't think they necessarily want to play them, but you know who's who's better, the Texans or Broncos, and, and who's going to sneak in there? So yeah, so what the Broncos beat in this current run? They beat the Packers, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Vikings, and then the Cleveland Browns. They have Texans, Chargers, Lions, Patriots, Chargers, Raiders. I mean, the Patriots are really the only gimme there. We'll see how they kind of match up with the Chargers. That always seems like a weird one. But you never know. The Chargers against some good teams play great, and then against some are are horrendous. So that one's tough. And and who knows what kind of Lions team you're going to get. But I I could easily see that team getting to 10 wins. Um. Not a great week otherwise. I mean, the the afternoon... Obviously, uh, Niners-Eagles is probably the game of the season so far. I think yeah, the Chiefs-Packers I mean, Chiefs, Chiefs, could Chiefs, be good. Eagles. Chiefs-Eagles was right there. This one is... Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. 425. And then, you know, it's a good Sunday night game. Chiefs-Packers yeah. and Lambeau. Packers look a little better. frisky. Maybe they found a little something. And the thing with the Chiefs, they feel a little vulnerable. I think Kelsey's banged up. I think Mahomes is banged up. I don't know. They they just kind of have a habit of playing down to opponents, and Jordan Love can get it going. I don't know. I, I'm very, very interested to see that one after the Packers' performance on Thanksgiving. We're getting there. I feel like after this week, you start slowly starting to see a little bit more of the playoff shape. Take, take shape. Take yeah. shape. The playoff shape. Take take shape. Yeah. Uh. All right. Immaculate grid for the week. Let me uh, pull it up. We got across the top. The New Orleans Saints, the Green Bay Packers, and 10-plus sacks in a season. Along the left side, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Miami Dolphins. If we just start top left, Eagles-Saints. I mean, the first one that jumps to mind, and this one would probably be pretty high, uh, two names. The first one I think would probably be the highest would be Darren Sproles. Uh, number two that comes to mind would be Malcolm Jenkins. Mm-hmm. can't think if there's anyone else in there that's... I'm just like Sproles would probably be the higher point total. Jenkins... It was, it was a two-time Saint, I think. But So we want to go with Jenkins? Yeah, I'm going to say Malcolm Jenkins is probably going to be your better bet, even though... Somewhat well, recent. Yeah, well, Sproles, I think, is probably almost exactly as recent because I think he was done in around the same time. Malcolm Jenkins, I think, is two years out. All right. 24%. Yeah, you knew it'd be high, but yeah, those two. I think Sproles, just being an offensive player, is probably higher. Let's go What Packers-Eagles. All right, Packers-Eagles. I mean, the, the obvious one's Reggie White. Yes. Um, I always have to think between the two of them. Pa- was, we mentioned it before we hit record. The Packers are a tough one. Because they're not known for a lot of free agent moves and trades. Well, and also having another third quarterback in 30 years makes it difficult, too, because there isn't even, you know, you have backups here and there that have have moved on. But, I mean, really, it seems like that's a small number, too, except for guys like Jim McMahon, who kind of bounced around a little bit. But I will think of a backup quarterback here. 
I think Ty Detmer played for both. I always have to pause like whether it was Coy Detmer or not, but I'm pretty sure that Ty Detmer played yeah. for Green Bay in Philadelphia. I think it's Ty. I think it was Ty. Because honestly, I can't really picture Coy at all, but I'm pretty sure Ty Detmer was the backup in Green Bay for a while. And then, okay. Yeah, 4% for Ty Detmer. All right. See, because people weren't sure about the Detmers. 10-plus sacks for the Philadelphia Eagles. Once again, probably Reggie White is high on the 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 list. Um, All right, I'm trying to think of like that Buddy Ryan when he came over there in the late 80s post-Chicago. You know, those defenses that had like Jerome Brown, Reggie White. I feel like Clyde Simmons. I think Clyde Simmons, like, I can't remember if he had like the single-season Eagles sack record or something like that. Because he was on those teams, I think, very much uh, feasted on them from there. Um, more modern... I don't know if, I mean, Javon Curse might have. Mm. I don't know if his numbers were. I thought I felt like his numbers fell off after. I feel like Tennessee. the freak never really had a huge. He, I, I think he did in season. Tennessee, and I think I've looked this up before. Where his first two to three years in Tennessee were like off the charts, and then he was just like a good solid edge rusher after that, but not, you know, like a league leader in sacks or anything yeah. like that. So he he probably wasn't in Philadelphia. I mean, other than that, I keep thinking of those defenses. I think of. You know, Dahani Jones and Hugh Douglas and like mm-hmm. good defenses, but you know, I'm not thinking of like transcendent sack numbers. And I'm sure there's probably guys that were completely leaving off of this, but you know, and I couldn't tell if like a Brandon Graham probably did or, you know. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you want to go all the way back, like, I mean, Chuck Bednarik probably did, but they'd have to like go back and invent the sack totals, but. I, I want to say Clyde Simmons holds the team record, and I have to imagine that that's double digits. 2% Clyde Simmons. So, something, who's, I think it was, he was a coach on the team. I think it was Chris Long said on this podcast once that Clyde Simmons holds the Eagles record for sacks in the season. And I just remember that, that being surprising, and it kind of stuck in my head. Interesting. Yeah, so I wouldn't have thought was, of that. I think it was that like that Buddy Ryan defense where like those defenses are really good. The Jerome Brown, Reggie White. All right, all right. Th- this one, this is your row. This is my row. Okay, this is your, this is your no row. Pressure. The Dallas Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys Saints. You got the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton. Oh, good one. For at least a short period of time, Brett Mayer. Maher. 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 Depends on how you pronounce it. Yeah, I don't have much more than. Uh, I will. How about I'll give you. Did Billy Cundiff, I think, might have played for both? Ooh, I'm, I'm telling you, kickers are a risky game, friendo. It is. It I feel good about right. Maher. Uh, I've got one that comes to mind, and I remember this one from uh, the Jeff Perlman book, uh, Boys Will Be Boys, about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Steve Walsh, because he was Jimmy Johnson's quarterback at Miami, and I believe Jimmy used a pick in the supplemental draft, and I don't necessarily know how the supplemental draft worked, but I believe by using the pick in the supplemental draft, it cost the Cowboys in the regular draft. And he took Steve Walsh, even though they had Troy Aikman. And it was this big controversy that Jimmy just wanted his guy. And then as a sign, after I think after one season, as a sign to Troy that he was his guy, he traded Steve Walsh to the New Orleans Saints. Steve Walsh. <laughs> mm. Everyone needed to know that. I feel like Billy Cundiff played for both. All right. This is your row. This is your row. Boom. Boom. Nice one. Billy Cundiff. Point, point two. Cowboys, Packers, uh, Randall Cobb. Yep. Martellus Bennett. Yep. 
Yep. Mm. For that, what was it? Like six or seven games that year he played with, yeah. with Green Bay. Uh, Jalen Smith, I believe, after he got released last year. The old one uh, I think I've played in this spot before is Terry Glenn. Because yeah. he fin- cause, because he finished up with uh he finished up with Green Bay after he had that sojourn when when Parcells brought him into Dallas. I, yep. I always forget that he was there, but I definitely that's I've, a good one. You, I've used that before with this this combo because you're right. Th- this is one where I don't think there's that many that have have played both sides. Yeah, and yeah, the recent one is Randall Cobb and well, because they were seen as such rivals. You know, the '60s, '70s, like these were teams that. I don't think necessarily liked each other. So, Terry Glenn. Let's see, four eh. percent. And then Cowboys, ten plus sacks. All you, brother. You got obviously Demarcus Ware, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah. Yeah, Charles Haley must have. Charles Haley, I believe, did. You know, two tall Jones probably did. What about um, the Randy White? Uh, I was going to say Randy White and Harvey Martin because they were the co-MVPs. You know, of, the one uh, I thought of that's random, but it was probably fairly recent, is Robert Quinn when he had his reinvention kind of with the Cowboys, I which believe. Which one? Robert Quinn has had like four. <laughs> Robert Quinn has had four versions of his career, but now you're right that season that – did he get traded to Dallas? Was that it? That he I had think already... he signed. Like he was a late sign, maybe. But didn't he have one in the last couple of years where he started somewhere and then finished out like a eighteen sack season? I don't remember where that necessarily was, though. Mm. I don't know, but that's neither here I, nor I th- there. I think the lesson is with this one. Um, there's a lot of options. <laughs> yeah, I feel I like Demarcus. All the DeMarcuses and Micahs are too obvious. Too recent. Randy White's probably the popular old school name. Yeah. I wonder if... uh, So I'd say... Did did, did, Bob Lilly or Leroy Jordan? Because I know they didn't have sack. Did Greg Ellis? I feel like there was a big Greg Ellis year. Not enough where I would bet on it. You are on your own on that one. I'll have to look it up after. I feel like there was a big Greg Ellis year. But okay. So is is Robert Quinn too recent to be an obscure pick? I think it's obscure in that way that people forget that, like, for the Red Sox, that, like, Brock Holt was an all-star. Mm-hmm. Where it's like people, I think, gloss over it. But I'm not positive enough that he did... I can't remember where, where that big last kind of season was for him. I remember in Chicago, he bounced around a little bit there. Ooh. Feels like a risk because I feel like we could take like Charles Haley or Harvey Martin or something. And All right. five. My work is done. It's all on you. It's all, it's all on me now. Thank, thanks. You're, you're giving me the Dolphins. Saints-Dolphins. Um, yeah, it was all fun and games until it came down to this. Oh, I feel like I had one at the beginning of, of this. Saints-Dolphins. Reggie Bush. Yeah, Reggie Bush was both. Um, God, uh, Ra- Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. Was there anyone besides running backs? Mm. Did McPherson ever play quarterback anywhere? Other? God. I remember playing his, with him as in Madden. Who? What was his name? I think his last name was McPherson. Bit of a troubled kid. Real athletic quarterback. Maybe I got the last name wrong. I think you got the last name wrong. Anyway, I'll look it up later. Okay. I'll send it to you. I was going to look at it up like, 
All right, I'm going. This is like the Greg Ellis one. Oh, I need to uh, look that up too. I feel like I had someone when we first glanced at this list, and now I'm coming up with nothing. The ones that are the hardest are like the linemen. There's right, plenty it, of you intertwining, know. but you just no offense, linemen. It's hard to remember. Well, and I also tend to think that, especially offensive linemen, like good ones, end up staying on teams, and then it's hard to pick. Oh, remember that year? You know, he played one year in Carolina at the end, or. It, I'll be honest, I don't have that great a recollection of the New Orleans Saints in my life. You know, you think of who you think of, and it's, you, know, you think of Drew Brees, and you think of, well, Reggie Bush, who works in this case, and so does Ricky Williams. So I think it feels like there ought to be some wide receivers. Ted Ginn, did he make a sojourn to the Saints? Maybe not. No, maybe I'm thinking of him in Carolina. For some reason, I feel like Ted Ginn played for like, 12 teams it's like five mm. let's just go Reg- let's, let's go reggie bush i don't want to put too much thought into this one because i feel like ricky is going to be really high for this one yeah reggie white wow, a lot of reggies a lot of reggies reggie bush number five all right 16 percent. interesting reggie bush's picture is in a bill's uniform Sometimes I swear it's just like the last team they play for. They're like, all right, this is the last time we had him in. Like, I had to use Levium Bell the other day. Uh, and he was in a, I think it was still a Jets Uni, which I think he played for four teams after that. But So, Green Bay, Miami. So, I think I have like one answer for this one, and it's very random. Vonnie Holiday. He's a linebacker. I think he played like. Five years in Green Bay, like four years with Miami. What was it? V-O-N-N-I-E is the first name. Vonnie Holiday. He's a linebacker. Uh, I spelled Holiday wrong. Ah, uh, that would do it. Yeah, four percent. Then he's ten good, plus. He, he, he's a good solid player. I think he was in the league ten years, and and I think he. The reason I thought of him is because I think he was like literally split his time like five and five between the two franchises. So, 10-plus sacks for the Miami Dolphins. I feel like this is a hard one because, all right, literally the best Miami Dolphins teams were led by a defense that was called the no-name defense. And they called it that because they had a bunch of good players with no big names. I mean, Nick Bonacani's like the, the leader, but he's kind of a veteran at that point. So, thinking of kind of the best players on those teams just absolutely eludes me. So you kind of get more modern, and all I can think of is like Jason Taylor and Cameron Wake, and I mean even like guys in the eighties. I'm having a hard time kind of coming up with eighties Miami Dolphins besides like Kim Bo Camper, but that's just from NFL Films. You know, the year they you know, they the lost the Super Bowl to to Washington. I think he may have had a pick six. Um, Robert like Quinn. A, we already use Robert Quinn. We can't use Robert I know, Quinn again. I was again. just thinking. Oh, believe me, I hate that when you realize. Oh shoot, it would be way more random with though. Point five percent stuff to get more random with with the Dolphins. Um, like I wonder. I'm trying to think of like some of the guys who may have had like a good couple good seasons or be the best on some of those, you know, kind of middle of the road Dolphins. What about like Brian Cox? Mm. You know, he was kind of their guy there in between Chicago. I think he went Chicago, Miami, the Jets, and then the Patriots, as he played for everyone in the AFC East except Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, like, I know, like, Cameron Wake had to have, because he had some huge sack numbers. I mean, talk about a guy who, I mean, the people who sacked Tom Brady the most, like, Cameron Wake is, like, in, has to be in the top, like, four. Because he he was all over him. Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor, I mean, Zach Thomas, maybe? He was just more of a, a high-volume what, tackler. Jason Taylor, I think, might be their all-time most in a season. He had that one year. Oh, where probably, yeah. He was oh, no, flirting. He, he, he's, yeah, absolutely an outstanding defensive player. I feel like there's probably even more in that like mid to late 90s that I'm just not coming up yeah. with. But I like Brian Cox. Like Brian Cox? Okay. Let's, it feels like one of those kind of in-between eras guys who... 
was solid enough for several years that probably had, and that was probably his peak. Not Brian Cox Jr. No. I do think they're related. All right. 1%. Brian Cox, Brian 1%. Cox, not bad. Not bad at all. What total score 50. I think I did the baseball one this morning, and I think my score was like 15. I was proud of that one. My, my all-time low, I think, is like 12. But it's always baseball. Baseball, I can go low. All right, Pearl, where can people find you? People can find me uh, Friday mornings before Sunday games and Monday mornings after Sunday games. Uh, Sterlingpingry.substack.com. We do a Patriots preview every week. So this week, uh, that'll be coming out on Friday morning. Uh, and then uh, game recap after Patriots Chargers week 13 will come out on Monday morning. Uh, let's figure out what we're going to do the following week when the Patriots play on Thursday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll come for the schedule for that. But uh, yeah, subscribe for free, sterlingpingry.substack.com. Uh, it costs you nothing unless you want to donate to the fun. Is, uh, you know, I always say, uh, whenever I mention a brand name, that they are not a sponsor, but you certainly could be if you wanted to. So yeah, yeah. Uh, great. Makes a great holiday gift. Sign your friends up. Don't even tell them. Just go to sterlingpingry.substack.com and, and take all of your family and just subscribe them to it for, for absolutely free. And they'll think with the content that they're getting twice a week, they'll think that you spend hundreds on them on this subscription and uh, they won't know that it was absolutely free. So yeah, so sign up all your, put your whole, your whole address book that, that you have online. Just sign them all up. There you go. By the way, Adrian McPherson. Adrian McPherson. Famously sued the Tennessee Titans. After he was hit during halftime by a golf cart driven by their mascot of a preseason game. Wow. He only lasted a couple seasons and then I think was a lot of CFL. That is a name I'm not familiar. All right, Tom, add that to the uh, postseason deep dive. We'll we'll add that to Vinny Testaverde 1988. I don't think he got much action in his like two seasons. I think think he was there after his rookie year. They signed Drew Brees. So. Still, we're, we're, we're deep diving. The preseason of Adrian McPherson. All right, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the NSO Pod, a production of Uncommon Media. Uncommon Media.